I try to push the boundary of printmaking also in those ways. And while doing those sort of activities, you somehow get so much into it because it gives you that freedom also to move and like to get involved with the whole process. So that sort of open up that those possibilities. Print friends, and welcome to the 92nd episode of Pine Copper Lime, the internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copper Lime on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and you can find all of this at pinecopperlime.com. We also have a Patreon page, where supporters can join at tiers that start at just a dollar a month, and that really helps us to keep bringing you hot printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like stickers, prints, and mugs, as well as access to our brand new bonus content. That's right, extra little mini episodes we're calling Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are quick and dirty tips and tricks with our guests from materials, processes, business advice, and just general studio nonsense. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes, sign up, and hear Tim's chat with today's guest. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to York practice since 1997. Products like their line of professional screen printing tools. Speedball believes that professional grade quality doesn't have to ruin your budget. Their aluminum squeegees, scoop coaters, and high mesh count screens are perfectly suited to outfit your workspace without changing your books from black to red. So if you want to upgrade your space from hobbyist to pro, head on over to Speedball's website and see where you can pick up your new favorite setup. There's a link in the show notes. This episode of Pine Copper Lime is also brought to you by McLean's Printmaking Supplies, who've been dedicated to the art and artists of relief printmaking since 1979. The small specialist team in the Pacific Northwest is the leading supplier of Japanese relief tools to printmakers in the U.S. and abroad, whose primary purpose is to help you find the materials and support you need to reach your printmaking goals. Our editor, Timothy Pauschak's two favorite tools are his Fatatsuwari Sankakuto 3mm V-gouge and his Josuai Maruto 1mm U-gouge from McLean's. But you don't have to take our word for it, because these tools truly speak for themselves. Head on over to McLean's at imcleans.com to pick out your new favorite tool and keep on carving. My guest this week is Shivangi Ladha, who joined me from her studio in Delhi, India, where she was teaching a workshop. We talk about using printmaking as a drawing tool, all of the repetitions in our daily lives, exploring the self through process, and providing people with a place to tell their stories. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to listen deeply with Shivangi Ladha. Hi Shivangi, how's it going? I'm good. Excellent. Well, I am really happy that we got a chance to connect. I discovered your work when I was looking at the artist who had done collaborations with IPCNY. And I was just really delighted to find 
what you do because it's always exciting to find new work from a printmaker who is using the medium in sort of unexpected ways and um, producing beautiful outcomes with it. Thank you so much, Miranda, for uh, inviting me to your platform. Uh, it looks a great platform, and, and I'm uh, really happy to be part of it. And uh, I'm there to answer all your questions and <laughs> whatever curiosities you have about the works. So before we start to dive into your practice in depth, would you please introduce yourself and let people know who you are, where you are, and what you do. So uh, I'm Shivangi Ladha. I'm an artist. I don't uh, call myself just a printmaker because I work with a lot of different mediums, but uh, printmaking plays a really important uh, role in my practice because my work is very much drawing-based. I'm based in uh, Delhi, and uh, I studied at Royal College of Art. I did my MA in printmaking there, and I graduated in 2016. Since then, I've been practicing on my own as an independent artist, and alongside, uh, I have taught. I do freelance works. I take workshops, and I run my uh, really small, uh, this really small platform called India Printmaker House. So this is uh, all about me. Beautiful. Well, where did you grow up and what role did art play in that part of your life? So I grew up in this uh, really small city called Golio. It's like a really, um, it's, it's in Madhya Pradesh, India. And growing up, I think I was always into art somehow, like naturally I was a lot into it. And I, it was my hobby, you know, I can say that. So I always drew, paint, I did things. I really enjoyed working uh, on my own and doing creatively things. And uh, I did that like till my, um, till my school, like I was a lot into it. And my parents were, obviously they were observing my activities and stuff. And then they told me, why not? You know, why don't you try and do your graduation in fine arts? Uh, I never thought of doing it professionally. Like I always, I mean, I had in mind that I'll be a lawyer or I'll be, I'll do something else. Like I never thought of it like as a profession. But my uh, parents somehow thought that I think I'll do better in what I do right now and might not suit for any other sort of profession. So they were like, okay, just go and give an exam and just apply to these art universities and see if you get it or not. Oh, that's really funny. That's really the opposite, (laughs) I feel like, of the story that so many artists have of, you know, I wanted to be an artist and my parents wanted me to do something practical, but it was the other way around for you. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's just a really beautiful story, I think, of parents knowing their kids and knowing what's going to make them happy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would not say that they understood, like, so what we call art now, like, after, like, studying it, and, like, they didn't understand art from that perspective. They thought of thought of it more in a very, like, a naive sort of, and they had a naive understanding of what art was, and they were okay with that, and they were like, okay, why don't you just do it? So, um, it's, then that's how I started, actually. That's how I got through my bachelor's in uh, College of Art, Delhi University. And that's how I like started getting into it a lot. Then I started sketching a lot, drawing, and then people will mentor me, like how I should do this, that. 
but i think that was the time when i seriously got into it and then i started discovering more about art because even myself i didn't know what exactly it was until i started doing it like every day so when did printmaking come into your story and come into your practice so i did my bachelor's in painting so i come from a painting background um but still my practice has always been around drawing like drawing is such a direct sort of an expression uh you know and drawing sometimes doesn't need any sort of lot of mediums like you sometimes you're just good with pen and a paper and you can just directly express your feelings you are feeling at that moment of time so in that sense like drawing has always been there for me uh, in in sort of like i'll always maintain a maintain the sketchbook and a journal where i'll doodle and express my feelings and everything so i always had that habit and somehow even my practice like even my paintings had that sort of a drawing element to it like i'll make these figures with lot of using lines and like very less colors and stuff and then i decided why not i do print making because print making somehow push the idea of drawing so print making has so many different kind of techniques and every technique uh, gives you a very different sort of uh, feeling sort of lines textures so i thought like i think then i thought that print making like really suited my practice that time and i really wanted to explore that because of uh, because my because of my line drawings and those sort of uh, techniques i was using at that time ah uh, it's interesting that you say that because i feel like a lot of times printmaking has this strong foundation you know in the figurative in the power of a line and that's one of the things that people always say about it but they'll often counter that with but it doesn't have the immediacy like painting so It's funny that you say what drew you to drawing was the immediacy because with printmaking it's so fiddly, right? Like if you're doing an etching there's a lot of steps before you finally get the final outcome of the image. So, do you think that maybe just printmaking and drawing within your practice they just sort of support you and serve two different functions in two different ways? Um I think there's more to it's the one is visually like how I want my uh, end result to be in a line form or whatever but like I think the process is also very important in my practice so printmaking involves like lot of repetition and lot of labor you know it's such a laborious process like sometimes you do the same process 10 times to achieve a result which which you have been aiming for and that sort of like you know i can really relate to the medium in the sense like sometimes you know you do the same things again and again every day like waking up having breakfast going to work and there's so much uh this uh, repetition uh, monotonous things in life which are happening simultaneously and then the even the process is like that so i somehow relate to that and then process becomes a really important thing in my practice because it's also the medium is changing me also in some ways when i'm doing the same thing again and again so it's sort of a it's technique and then i'm getting a result uh, but it's also this process which i am involved in which is somehow helping me also to evolve and to uh, giving me space to think and uh, do different activities and 
Huh. So I know sometimes when people come to printmaking, they'll get to the point where they can really get into a flow state when they're working, whether Mm -hmm. they're carving or additioning. And they get to a point where their body just knows what to do. They know the steps. And then they can just kind of let go. Is that what you mean by like the medium changing you? Yeah, because like you're so involved and actually like with me, like the way I do printmaking, some, sometimes there has been times when I feel restrict, restricted with the size of the plate or the size of the press because, you know, while sometimes you have a specific size and you need to pass your press in that certain size and stuff and it sometimes gets very uh, restricted and so I have used printmaking in a very experimental ways where I have literally um, taken a lot of multiple prints on the same paper or I have really increased the size of the screen and moved paper with my uh, when while I'm printing um, I really don't enjoy registrations. Like I feel they're so. <laughs> I feel very restricted with registrations. I like really hate them, and I try to move away from it. So in that sort of thing, I think I have. I try to push the boundary of printmaking also in those ways. And uh, during and while doing those sort of activities, you somehow get so much into it, uh, the process, um, because it gives you that freedom also to move and like to get involved with the whole process. So that sort of open up that those possibilities. And I've seen in your practice that you use leaves or really anything you need to to create that repeated image, because that's, you know, that's what printmaking is, you know, it's ink and transfer the ink and ink and transfer the ink, you know, at least that's the umbrella under which we put everything. Um, So it's interesting to hear for you that screen printing on walls, and you really develop this kind of fluid relationship with printmaking and that you don't feel bound by the rules of printmaking that other artists maybe feel they need to stick to or even cling to as a foundation to support their practice. Yeah. So what do you think it is about you or your work or your training that you didn't really feel like you had to play by those rules and that you were able to have a really natural dynamic relationship with the medium? Um, it's very much connected uh, to my daily life routine and the place like, you know, like sometimes even as a uh, as a women artist, you know, uh, and coming from a uh, background like India where there is a sort of oppression for women. It's not like a very, uh, not very, very open-minded society first for art. Not very, not a lot of people are open-minded with uh, somebody pursuing art, and then women pursuing art, it gets more difficult. I mean, it's it's the fact, you know. And uh, having those sort of things build up this context uh, around my work, and then it comes very naturally for me to move away from these technicalities which people have already defined to a to a technique I feel that I need to move away from these structures and restrictions and techniques and I need to something discover on my own maybe move away from paper and do it directly on the walls and uh, why not like why why only to keep printmaking restricted on a paper why not just do it on the walls directly 
so uh, these i think these it's not just technically for me but it uh, it has a deeper layers of like where i come from my experiences my daily things my interactions with people and then uh you know i think all that comes in in the process and that sort of build uh, these different layers and uh, in my works and understanding to it yeah yeah i can see what you're saying there about how being a woman in the arts you're already breaking some rules yeah, so exactly what makes you think that you need to yeah follow any of the other ones cuz you're already working outside of the box so I know that the way that you work can be a bit experimental and that you're really interested in the body process. You know, this actual way that your body moves and is involved in creating the work. And I really like this because I think that the physical experience of art making does get lost sometimes. We see this finished product on the wall in a gallery, a museum, and it's perfectly curated, perfectly lit, perfectly installed, etc., etc. But that separates it from the messiness of art making, from getting the ink under your nails. So could you speak to your relationship with your body in the act of making and how that affects the outcomes? In response to this question, I would like to bring, uh, talk about one of my work called Self-Portrait, which I created in like 2017-18, where, you know, it's a series of these prints and if you see those prints there's a narration to it there's a story there's a process and each and every print looks different from each other and i would say that each print represents a particular phase in my life at that time so it's very very connected to what i was going through that time during that phase when i created those series i was away from my home india i was studying in london and uh, coming from a small city to a place like delhi and then going to london where your identity is always evolving always changing it's so fluid so i uh, started thinking a lot about questioning a lot about my own identity and questioning about like who am i like am i just a uh, if i just see from a nationality point of view okay fine, i am fine i'm from india but then do am i something beyond that am i am i just my skin color is this am i something more beyond that like what is it who am i so those sort of questions i was uh, i was facing though i was facing those questions that time when i created those series and i got a lot into uh, you know a self exploration journey where i was just questioning those things and trying to think about it and then i uh, did a lot of things like meditation to self uh, evaluate and self analyze about things about my own existence and when i was making those works i never thought about anything else i just i was there in the process and i was creating those works i never had in my mind that i have to display them i never had in my mind that i want to sell those works i was doing that and the last the last print of that uh, series was completely dark it was i repeated the image so many times that the print in the end resulted to be uh, this really black uh, block of uh, drawings uh, repeated thousand times on a same sheet of paper and when i see those i mean i never thought i would sell those works because i know that those works are not sellable and nobody would like to get a that black blob of print but my intention was never to 
you know that was never my intention to display it somewhere or to sell it because i was going through that process and i had to express that in my work so somehow that sort of relationship has been there with my personal self uh, there has been a personal journey and my works are very much connect and especially that series has been really personal to me somehow yeah so that has happened and when i was doing that that repetitive process that somehow changed me also as a person when i was doing the same thing again and again it sort of figures were getting merged together in the later prints and then i questioned about we are getting merged together in the end and it's such a everyone is so similar to each other and it's just you know this superficial skin color and all these things are so superficial why do people have to create uh, like unnecessary things around it it's so simple you know we are all just one from within and uh, we are just in different forms that's it but we are all one per- people like from inside and that is what i got from from that process you know that was the understanding i got that sort of relationship has been interesting in the ways that my art has taught me and changed me also as a person it was through that process of making um, while i was involved with uh, screen printing you use your entire body to you know pull that screen squeezy over and over again on your print so it's a very sort of a laborious process of doing it and doing it very consciously with a lot of awareness and i think that really makes a difference yeah i know the exact work that you're talking about and that journey that it has of just repeating repeating and repeating until you have almost entirely black square so and that actual figure itself is a little female nude so is this work a, a literal self portrait as well as a metaphorical one so i used my image as a reference but i always say that it's the voice of all the other people in that it's like a crowd of people who are trying to uh, so the figure is kind of waking up sort of a figure so it's like trying to move towards something they're trying to transcend to a space where there is no distinction between the forms there is a sort of oneness to it so the it starts with that sort of uh, movement and then slowly it gets more denser and on in the last print everything is getting merged together there's no difference i can't say that it's she or he or whatever it's just bodies yeah no that's that's really beautiful cuz that's you know just speaks to how the more we lose our physical and aesthetic manifestations the more we lose the artifice of exterior the more we realize that we're actually we're all the same you know we're all one now you have a series that's in the british museum's collection titled has each violent revolution created another violent society acid attack survivor and these are portraits uh, as the name suggests of acid attack survivors and these are people that you actually photographed and interviewed and interacted with uh, in order to do your research and i'd really like to hear you speak to the process of connecting with people because i think sometimes when artists 
use images of bodies that have been through trauma that aren't their own, it can sometimes feel exploitative. And this series has none of that. You can tell that you're representing people with empathy and with respect. So I guess I want you to talk to your process of how you connected with the subjects and how you went about ensuring that the process was empathetic and humanizing. So um, I would say that like my journey has been very spontaneous. So I've never, uh, I never made a decision of if I should work with this theme or if this subject, I never made those sort of decisions. It somehow happened very naturally. So uh, I was traveling to my hometown from Delhi uh, in my car. And on my way, I stopped uh, in this cafe called Shiro's Hangout Cafe. And that was the first time when I discovered this cafe and there were these acid attack survivors were employed and they were working there basically. So I I saw them for the first time and before that I didn't even know that this sort of violence existed until then. Um, when I saw that I was quite touched by it and I somehow naturally felt that I should do something regarding this. I should maybe work, uh, I should maybe create awareness uh, regarding this sort of a violence and just do something uh, around it through my practice to support these uh, these people. And uh, when and during that time, I was working with etching because that was uh, that's what I learned in my school. And um, it was very interesting uh, how things, you know, um, somehow uh, all fell on place um, because etching, you know, you use acid to etch the plate in etching. And when I saw that acid, I saw that they were attacked by the acid. So. I was like, why not I draw their portraits using this process to express what they have gone through through my works and somehow support them in any way possible, right? So um, that's how it started. And when I got back home, I started reading more about it. I started researching more about it. I started started to find that where all it took place, you know. And then, then I found out that it's not, a, uh, it just didn't happen in India, but like a lot of places like Bangladesh, Pakistan, a lot of South Asian countries, and even in UK, it happened very recently, like one of these attacks. And I was all like so overwhelmed by all these, uh, you know, these uh, things which I was learning about it. And uh, I had to go deeper into the subject. and. I actually uh, contacted uh, one of this person through social media called Ritu Saini. Uh, she is an activist. She has become an activist now because that's how they uh, somehow sustain themselves because uh, they've not been, uh, because their identity has been deformed, you know, and and it, it, it doesn't look that, you know, when persons see for the first time, they don't have a good reaction to it somehow. And which comes very naturally. Even I didn't have that sort of a reaction when I first time saw that. And, you know, so they are not very uh, accepted in the society, not fully accepted. And uh, that's how being activist and spreading a word about it somehow also helped them to sustain themselves. Otherwise, how will they... How will they live their life? 
So I met Ritu Saini. I met her personally. I took her out for lunch. And I thought it would be a nice uh, gesture for me to even take her out. And it will be a good change for her too. And uh, we had some conversations around it. And uh, I during the conversation, I, I wanted to be, <laughs> I was trying to make the situation very light and like very casual. And I drew her portraits during those conversations. I took her pictures and she was totally okay with it unless I'm doing it for good work. And she was totally fine with it. And then we we really had a good time. Uh, she shared her experiences with me, and uh, it was it was a, it was a really tough work to be honest that time. Now I have moved on from it a lot, but uh, it was a difficult series, you know, to meet these people and then try to uh, try to you know express their feelings through a work of a work of art. It was a really difficult thing to do to draw their portraits and then put it in the acid bath to get let the line etch. Uh, I think it it was difficult, but I'm really happy that I worked on that project because I learned a lot and you know it's you know it makes you realize that it's these outer forms really doesn't matter. It's the people how they are from inside. And, uh, you know, she was she had such a strong willpower and there was so much to learn from her, you know, and uh, in the end, these things really matter in the end. So uh, I wanted to bring, um, you know, this thing and I wanted to use I wanted to creatively use this uh, thing to show uh, people. And that's all, actually. <laughs> so. So did you connect with the other subjects in the series through her activism or were they uh, their employees at the cafe? Um, so I met a couple of people at the cafe uh, during that time, I interacted with them. I took their pictures and stuff. Then I met some people from the NGO. Personally, I wrote to them and I asked them to meet me. Uh, I met them. And then I, after that, uh, for like more, more, like a lot of portraits, I started finding images on social media as well. And I started collecting a lot of uh, images. So they were all mixed of hand-drawn images, spontaneous drawings, then uh, images from social media. And I collected all the images and I started making their portraits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can imagine an extremely difficult project, as you say. Um, But one that I think really can be held up as an example for the ways in which art can bring emotional reality to things going on in the world that maybe gets lost, um, you know, when people receive the information through other means. Considering it was such a difficult project to undertake, what, how did you, how did you go about self-care? How did you look after yourself while working on such a hard subject matter to kind of ensure that you could be there to keep doing the work and keep showing up for it? Um, It's a difficult question. I don't know. I think it just happened with the process. But there was a time uh, when I took a very uh, conscious decision of not to work on it anymore. And then I was like, I think I'm now done with the portraits. And uh, I think this is what this is. This was the duration I wanted to work on. And I think I've given the best from my side and I somehow then decided not to work on it after a point of time 
because it was somehow making me a little um, just drawing the portraits and putting in acid was a really difficult thing for me to stand there and waiting for lines to get edged so in that sense it was difficult but then i'm happy you know like you know now in india it's not easy for you to find acid so things are changing there is lot of awareness and after i finished that project uh, there was one of the movie which got uh, released on acid attack survivors just after 3 years of my project and uh, things are changing you know and i'm really happy that people are talking about it because somehow you know they need to be accepted back in the society people can't just judge people on the basis of their outer form there is so much more you know and uh, yeah so uh, I, i was affected by it but then it made me stronger i feel it did and i learned a lot in the entire process i really learned a lot absolutely and that'll be something that you can take with you as you go on and as you start working on other projects as well. Um yeah, and so speaking of which, what are you working on right now that you're excited about? Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm working on a lot of things at the moment uh because my brain is like super uh, chaotic in the sense of like there's so many things happening. There's so many transitions and changes are happening around me and all these uh, this pandemic uh, had a really uh, great impact on all of us so um, you know uh, i have so many ideas and thoughts and things i want to express but uh, the one thing i'm really stuck on right now which i would like to discuss on uh, is about this uh, project uh, which is inspired by my visit uh, to a village called piplanthvi in india it's in rajasthan I was on a trip to Udaipur and I ended up going to this village where they plant 111 trees when a girl child is born. So I was I was really uh I was um, really happy to see what was happening and uh, it really really inspired me to create something produce some works around this idea. and uh, i'm working on this series called uh, becoming tree where uh, these people are turning into trees so the idea is that um, you know how trees are appreciated just the way they are you know like you you never judge a tree if it is a male or a female or like you don't do those judgments with the tree you just appreciate its beauty and you know you just like to spend time around it and you just appreciate the way it is so the idea is that these people are becoming trees and even they should be treated how trees are treated you know like they shouldn't be judged on the basis of because of their race or color or sex all these things so this is the project i i'm still developing on and Uh, I'm I'm working on some really big uh, screen prints. I'm doing etchings. I've created some mono prints on this idea, and uh, I'm currently also I have collaborated with an artist who is a bookmaker, and we are making a book on this. So <laughs> <laughs> lovely, yeah. I cannot wait to see that. Because yeah. just yeah, as you're talking, I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, yeah. she's right. We do not. judge trees. I have never looked out my car window and thought 
that is an ugly tree. Like that has just never happened before. Yeah. We just look at every tree and just take it on how it is. And any differences, it's just like, oh, look at that one. That one's branch goes out really far. Yeah, I do not think that I have ever seen an ugly tree. Yeah, they're all unique, you know? You just, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that you might be able and willing to speak to us a little bit about printmaking in Delhi and printmaking maybe even more broadly in India. Um, you know, I know it's difficult to get a perspective on what's happening in any in-depth way uh, in countries out there in the world just through the internet. And I'm sure this is doubly, triply so with a country like India that is so large and has such um, an incredible diversity of languages and cultures. But yeah, I mean, if you could speak sort of broadly to it, what would you want people to know about printmaking India that they might not know already? So um, I would say that India has a great history uh, with printmaking and textile because uh, we use a lot of block printing uh, in India. That's how it comes from. And uh, this so much interesting things have been done already. Like people have used, uh, there are a lot of places where people are making their own colors and handmade colors, organic colors. Uh, creating their own brushes and they're doing um, fantastic work and uh, it's a it's a uh, great place I the only the issue right now here it's that lack of resources so we don't have a good infrastructure we don't have enough resources to support printmakers because printmaking sort of need you know an etching press it needs a lot of different sort of materials and in that ways, uh, I think India is lacking, but there are some really great artists who are doing great works. And uh, there are so many artists uh, who can't even speak and communicate in English, and they're doing fantastic work. And this was the reason, uh, because there are lack of opportunities here. Even I was, when I got back here, uh, it was very difficult to find opportunities in printmaking in general, you know, like there were not enough open calls, there were not many awards around printmaking. So uh, that was one of the um, intention, like that somehow, you know, made me think a lot about this medium and how I can promote this medium and how can I can educate people about printmaking so that people understand what all is involved in the process and they buy the work because people generally in India don't appreciate printmaking because they don't understand the technique. They don't know how it is made. They understand what painting is. They can connect with that. But in that sense, printmaking is lacking a lot in India. So it's very difficult to sell a print print in India. So I uh, created this platform called India Printmaker House. And what we do with that platform is that we have collaborated with different art organizations in India. So we have collaborated with a co-working space, a manufacturer of printmaking products. Uh, recently, we collaborated with Awagami Papers in Japan. So every year, we have an open call for artists all over the India. Uh, they can apply. We ha have a jury. And they select uh, the artist. So we showcase like 23 artists on our online platform. We have a winner, we have runners up, 
and we do residencies and we give grants so the idea was to create you know to make the space more active to by doing certain things by doing a lot of print workshops so that you know people who doesn't even come from this background learn about this technique uh, they educate themselves and maybe you know in future they might want to buy a print you know because they'll understand how much how much process how much labor has been involved in the process of making a print so um, i think in this ways we are, we are uh, it's changing now uh, it got a little dull like 2 years back <laughs> the whole art scene uh, but it's it's changing now people uh, there are galleries who are supporting printmakers uh, they are coming out but we need more opportunities for sure we need more infrastructure we need more support uh, to for printmakers here mm yeah that's that's interesting because for me when i think about some of the biggest name uh contemporary printmakers out there i think about people like zarina hashmi and she's an artist who's definitely made this jump from the print world to the capital a capital w art world but someone like that she must have quite a large profile i would imagine where you are yes yeah i think zarina hashmi i think everyone knows her zarina zarina hashmi and krishna reddy are these two printmakers which i think every printmaker know i think all over the world yeah so they have done great work and uh, it's something there's something to learn from them and to grow in this field and to promote this medium as much as we can yeah yeah no that's a really good point that just because some of the art stars within printmaking are from india that doesn't mean that printmaking itself in india would be well known it doesn't necessarily have to go both ways i'm also thinking about what you were saying about those talented artists who don't possess english language skills and maybe don't have uh access to english language services and so it doesn't matter how incredible the art that they might be making is you know they're not getting the same access to opportunities um as other artists they're not getting their work out there as easily i mean it's something that i see in thailand quite a bit as well so i often think about all of the art that's going unseen out there in the world from incredible artists who just have a language barrier access issue um because the art world runs on english yeah i totally agree with you because there there's so many there's so many places where uh, you know people don't speak good english and they are somehow not able to communicate very fluently about their works and about their practice and uh, i feel those you know and there is there are those differences and i think there should be more opportunities which are which are just on the basis of the visuals i feel sometimes um or i don't know how to answer this question it's a very difficult <laughs> uh scenario but um there should be more opportunities where people are uh, evaluated more on the basis of their visual works rather than uh, the artist statement and other things because there are a lot of people who really can't communicate properly in english 
or I don't know if it should happen both the sides. Maybe the artist should also maybe try to push themselves and to learn uh, the language, apply for these things. I'm could maybe it should be both the sides. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I, I don't know, though. I feel like the more I study other languages, the more silly and arbitrary and difficult English seems. Like like the word Lucy and the word lucky. You just have taken out the K, but now you have to suddenly completely change the way you say the U. Like, what the fuck, English? <laughs> but yeah, there are many opportunities in art where the images are, you know, secondary to the words. Um, and I think this is probably because art is so tied to academia and so much of the cultural influence in the art world comes from, you know, you can spit on a canvas, but if you can write about it, here's your degree. And that's not to say that writing and research isn't important and can produce beautiful art practices, but we also, I think, still need to have a space where we can ask ourselves, is this successful without words as well? Yeah, because sometimes I feel, you know, we are visual artists and we chose uh, or maybe consciously or sub whatever, but we chose to express ourselves in this visual language, uh, which is universally understood, you know, and people connect with visuals and everyone has their own interpretations and everything. And then sometimes I wonder why do you have to express uh, too much in words? I mean... Uh, you know, you can sometimes, it's sometimes interesting to just look at the work and have your own, uh, you know, own story about it. Uh, it's not, sometimes it can be too much to ask a lot of questions about the work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's, let's start it. Um, we can call it the No Words Art <laughs> Prize. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll be just, just your image. That's all you get. You, you don't have any supporting text and that's, yeah, that the prize goes to the best image. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it does, it does get me sometimes because it's, you know, when we privilege words over images, it can do a disservice to the image, but I think it more egregiously does a disservice to that special place that only visual communication can get to, that verbal communication yeah, can't. Exactly. You know, yeah, there are yeah. parts of the human experience, just uh, emotional and spiritual yeah. and intellectual even, that you can that can be accessed in new and interesting ways through visual communication. But if you're constantly placing that secondary to verbal communication, yeah. it's yeah. It's just if you it's not ever you're never gonna let the verbal communication do its job. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the future. What is on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Okay, so um, the current work, the Piplantri, inspired by the Piplantri village, uh, this, this series um, is super, super interesting. You can find these works on my website later when I'm done with it. And uh, you can also... Um, you know, uh, I very frequently take print workshops. Uh, I take, I organize a lot of workshops around the history of printmaking in India and paper making, and a lot of different things around printmaking and paper. So you can uh, you can stay updated. You can follow my page uh, on Instagram and website, and we constantly update about it. And you can follow those things on social media. Excellent. And what is your handle and what is your website address? 
So my website is uh, very easy shivangilada.com and my Instagram page is shivangi.lada. All right. Well, I will definitely put links to both of those in the show notes. And thanks for letting me borrow an hour of your afternoon and having a chat with me. I look forward to sharing it with people and staying in touch. Thank you so much Miranda for inviting me for this interview. It was really great to connect with you and to share my uh, thoughts and practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I know that Delhi and Bangkok really aren't too far of a flight time away from each other. So please look us up should you ever find yourself over this way. <laughs> that would be great. I would love to connect with you in person. I think it will be a great. <laughs> and whenever you come to India, please feel uh, please feel free to just message me. I would be happy to host you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I w- I would love that. Yeah. Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Caledonia Curry you won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.